high school to college, and we're still really close. Actually, two of them were with me in elementary school. And um, so it's like four close friends, right? And like we're, we're always kind of together, hanging out. And one of the biggest kind of bro codes, as I was thinking about this, is that we were big on taking care of each other's girlfriends and eventually wife, wife and kids. And so I remember one of my close friends, he was at UCR and his wife, or his, sorry, his girlfriend at the time was at UCI. And we were pretty close already. And um, I, I remember me and my other friend, we went to go visit her, make sure she's settling in okay, help her move things to her room, you know, tell her like, hey, if any guys give you trouble, we'll take care of that, you know, sort of normal, normal bro stuff. And then I also told her, hey, like, um, you know, your boyfriend's pretty far away, but if you ever feel unsafe, if you ever are driving somewhere or um, coming home from something and it feels really late and you want me to walk you somewhere or give you a ride, like, I'm always there. You call me at 2 a.m., 3 a.m., 4 a.m. And so one day she did. It was like, like seriously, like 4 in the morning or some blurry hour. And I get this phone call, which um, is half a miracle because I... You know me, I don't pick up my phone. And then I roll out, and I pick up, and she's like, hey, I'm, I'm going, uh, I need a ride back. It's like pretty late, would you give me a ride? So I immediately get into my car, drive her, walk her back to her dorm. And that's kind of how we are with, with each other's uh, significant others. Like, we're, we are looking at, looking after not only each other as brothers, but we want to look after what's most important to each other. I remember when it was my wedding day, I was sitting there like three or four hours before the ceremony, and I had been thinking a lot about what it means to make a covenant with someone, what it means to make a promise to somebody. And so I wrote out, of course, my vows for my wife, and then I also wrote out vows for my close friends. So we were sitting in the hotel room, and I remember uh, looking at them and saying, hey guys, I'm going to like give you my vowels, you know? And then uh, I gave um, my amendment to the bro code. And there was a few things I said, but one of the things I said was that um, if they died, I would take care of their wife and kids. I said that your, your wife and kids will always have a seat at my table um, and always have a room in my house. So like I gave a promise to them, not only for them, but for their family. I'm thinking also about Renew Church and how our community is starting to build out like a code, right? A community code. I think about how we are really inclusive and we try to live life with each other. I think there was at least 15 Bolu invitations on our Facebook page. Like we're there. I, I feel like some people have set up tents there. You know, we're there all the time. But we're also there. We're also there because we want to be with each other and we want to invite everyone else in. I think we have a, there's always room for one more mentality where if you're here for the first time or you've been, if, you're, if you can loiter after church, there's a sense that we want you to be a part of what we're doing. We want you to be a friend and part of the family. And I think the last thing I really love about our community or the last two things is that we're, we're, we're down to help each other out. You know, when we're on, people are on, again, our Facebook group, Renew Church. If you're not on, please add yourself. And... Um, People are like, hey, can you give me a ride to the airport? Can you give me a ride to school? Can you come fix my car? Can you bring me food? Who wants to go grab food? And, and every time I see someone put like a need out there helping me move, I see like 15 comments almost right away of people who are down to contribute. And in our church, like there's just the sense that everyone has a place to serve and everyone is willing to pitch in, even if they're not on the host team. 
you know, all of you guys have stacked chairs and uh, walked sound equipment back to the storage room. And, and I love kind of that code of our community that's starting to form. One of the things that I would want us to, a new code that I would like to write is for our guys to walk the girls, ladies, to the car, especially to the zombie parking lot. We all know that, you know, around 10 a.m., the last four starts spawning zombies. And so as we're walking from our common room, for us to just be like, hey, you know, do you guys want to walk you to your car? And just opening doors and all of that. I would love for our brothers to just kind of develop um, those eyes for the sisters, help them do, uh, just like be there for them, you know? And for the sisters, you guys are doing great, so it's <laughs> good job. You know, when I look at uh, John chapter 15, it's really all about friendship and all about friendship code, what it looks like to be a friend of Jesus. In verse 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. No greater love, no greater love has no one than this, to lay down one life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I want to just kind of stop at this line, you are my friends, because, man, let's just take that in. The God of the universe is offering friendship to us. And if you look at all the other religious philosophies and, and uh, categories, no one really describes God as friend. It almost feels flippant or belittling. No good Muslim or Jew or Hindu person will say, oh yeah, God's my friend. He's my buddy. And here we have God extending friendship to us. What a privilege. What an honor. And I just find that to be humbling. Now, what does friendship look like? I think the first thing we see uh, very blatantly in verse 14 is, you are my friends if you do what I command. Have you ever thought of command, the commands of God interlaced with friendship? In the earlier verse, it says, I have kept my command and I remain in his love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, that there's a sense that God's commands is intertwined with friendship and love. That's not how we talk about commands very often, right? When we think about commands, it seems empty and detached from relationship. It seems like a critic on the sideline trying to tell us how we need to do everything better. But in the scripture, we see that commands and love are intermixed, they hold hands. Maybe we can think of God's command more as like a bro code or a sister code. That interlaced in them is how we relate to each other and how we love each other and the things we do that continue that relationship. If you think of the greatest command as, as someone posed to Jesus, what's the greatest command? Jesus says, love God and love each other. All the prophets, all the laws, everything else hangs off of love. 
Have we been able to trace every command that God gives us back to love and relationship? Because if it's disconnected from that, it's just religious and legalism. Now, I want, to think, I want you to think about why keeping the command of God relates not only to our code with him, but to our, how we treat one another. And I feel like our, my friendship with my close friends exemplifies that, right? It's hard to be a close friend, a best friend to someone, and hate their girlfriend or hate their baby. You know, like, I'm like, hey, hey, um, not Paul and Tiff, like, we're close friends, but your son or daughter, blah, 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 you know, I can't even say it, it just feels wrong. So, hey, hypothetical friend, man, your baby is just below average, like, when it comes to looks, it's just not that cute. Or, you know, your husband, we're, you're so cool, but your husband, he's kind of, like, not there, you know, like, like, the lights are on, but no one's home, like, it's hard to be friends when you devalue what they value the most, right? When you devalue their kids or their spouse, you're devaluing them. You're, you're almost saying they are below good looks and average intelligence. And so with God, what does he value? He cares about all of us. We're his sons and daughters. He cares about every human walking on the face of the earth. We're his, we're his kids. So if you want to love God, you have to love what he loves. And all of the commandments have to do with loving what God loves and loving him. So when we protect someone who is picked on, it's like we're protecting God. When we give someone a ride, who doesn't have a car, it's like we're giving God a ride. You know, when I do those things for my, for my friends, I know the way that I can love them the most is by loving their family. And God's saying the same thing. If you love the least of these, if you clothe them, if you feed them, if you visit them in prison, it's like you're doing that for me. Have we seen all the laws and all the commandments in the Christian faith as interlaced and rooted in love and in relationship? Or do they just feel disconnected? Like all these rules that we're supposed to somehow like mesh together and, and do in our lives, but they don't really make me love Jesus more. They don't really make me love you more. They just give me Pharisee points. Like, where are we when we think about commandments? Is it in love? The second thing I see in this text is that love is sacrifice. When we really think about friendship, it comes down to sacrifice. Um, you know, when I think about my first um, expressions of love and friendship, uh, I had a really hard time. Actually, I didn't go back to that first point. Sorry, missed one page of notes. I had a really hard time when I was uh, trying to make friends. My first attempt at making a friend, I was in first grade. I knew nobody. It's like a traumatic experience to walk into school and know nobody, and my mom's, like, driving away. Oh, my goodness. And then I'm, like, alone. I'm really awkward. My parents are from Taiwan, so my mom put a bowl over my head and cut it, right? So I, 
you know, um, no friends immediately. And, uh, but what I did have is I had a lead pencil, okay, a mechanical pencil. And back then, that was like freaking state of the art, right? Like no one had a mechanical pencil. I mean, you don't have to go to the pencil sharpener, you just press a button, you like, like finely tipped lead came out, perfect writing every time. And the kids would gather around my mechanical pencil. I mean, it was like the show, right? And, but in my heart, I was like, what, I don't really want a mechanical pencil, I want a friend, right? And um, one of the kids, a guy, he's like, hey, I really want your mechanical pencil. And I said, if you be my friend, I will give you my mechanical pencil. This is like five-year-old Wilson, right? And, uh, and I even put conditions. I said, you have to hang out with me at lunch. You know, you have to play with me at lunch. That's it, right? It doesn't extend past an hour. Um, he's like, I'll do that. I'll do that. And I was like, awesome. So I give him my mechanical pencil. And I was like really excited to go to lunch that day. I, I remember scanning the playground. And he's kicking a ball with this other kid. And I like beeline to him. I'm running. I'm like, all right, let's do this, right? We're friends. Can I kick the ball with you? And he's like, no. And I was like, but I give you my mechanical pencil. <laughs> like you swore friendship to me over that pencil. And he just like sent me away. And I was like super sad about that. And uh, when I was a kid, like it was just kind of like that over the last, over the next four years. I got bullied a lot. You know, I got picked on. I think the first friend I made was in fifth grade, one of my, um, one of my closest friends. And, um, and yet, there's Jesus, and he says that not only is he commanding, asking us to keep commands, but he says, really interesting in verse 10, I have kept my father's commands. And what that means is that when we don't have friends or when our friends abandon us, and still our mechanical pencils, that he is the best of friends. And he won't do that. He says, I'll always be there. And he is. He says, I'll never hurt you. And, and he doesn't. He says he'll be kind to you. And he says, I'll help you and take care of you. And he always comes through. I keep all of these commands. And what that means is that he's the best of friend. You know, when I was in that playground with no, without a mechanical pencil um, and with no friends, I remember asking Jesus to be my friend. And there were so many lunches where I just walked the yard and talked to Jesus. And there was this sense that he was there and I wasn't alone. And I, I think I wouldn't trade anything for those moments. You know, when you're a kid, you can't develop abstract thought till you're 12. And so the way Jesus was with me and the way I believed in him in that concrete, present way, I still go back to those days to remember what friendship looked like. And all these years, whenever, whenever, I, was a, whenever I asked Jesus to be my friend, he was always the perfect friend. The second thing I see is sacrifice, like I said. And sacrifice really defines friendship. One of my closest friends growing up, he would sacrifice so easily for me. I grew up pretty poor uh, some, some years. And I remember in high school, we were going through a hard time, although, you know, my parents worked really hard 
always provided a roof over my head, but sometimes I just didn't have free money, right? So I'm going around, and we have food. We, have, we go out to eat after lunch, after church. And um, I didn't have money, so I'd just be like, oh, I'm not really hungry, or I'll eat after, or I ate before. And i just kind of sit there and just, like, watch other people eat and then waited for them to, like, the girls. I'd sit with all the girls because um, sometimes they didn't finish their food. And then we just dump it all into one plate, and i just, like, dump it into my mouth. Um, so I, I'm really thankful for the sisters. And then um, one of my close friends, he kind of started seeing that. So he, he would just start buying two meals. Whatever he got, he would just get a second one of. Never asked me, never told anyone, and he would just kind of slip it over to my side of the table. When we went out to movies, you know, maybe there were days where I just kind of roamed the mall because I didn't want to watch that movie, and, and he would just buy me another ticket and just hand it to me, and no one would know. It wasn't for show. Not one person saw it. It was just me and him. And I just think about how he's defined friendship in sacrifice. Maybe an even greater way that we get to sacrifice for our friends is by forgiving them. Forgiveness is sacrifice. Because when someone wrongs us, they owe us. We all know that. We won't say it like that, but they owe us, and we want to collect. When I'm, like, mad at Nina, you know, it's like we could withdraw from each other, and we can grow distant. But I think forgiveness is saying, you don't owe me, and I'm going to love you, and you don't have to pay me back. That's the greatest sacrifice someone can make in a, in a friendship is to forgive. And that's the sacrifice Jesus makes. He says that there's no sacrifice compared to laying one's life down. And then he goes to the cross the next day. He dies for our sins. And he dies to forgive us. And that's the starting point of all of our friendships with Jesus. It's him sacrificing to be our friend. And he's saying that anyone, I extend my friendship to every person on earth, and I'm going to do it by paying your debt so that we can have a relationship and you can have a healthy relationship with the people around you. You know, he's like, he's like Bing Bong and Mufasa and all of these amazing characters that love in a sacrificial way. And he extends friendship to all of us. The third way that Jesus talks about friendship is um, he says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. Friendship is about revealing ourselves to each other. Jesus is the first to reveal himself to us. He comes on earth as a man. He shows us his heart. And then he calls us to reveal ourselves to him. And I, I don't think we're used to doing that. I think we're used to friendship with filters, right? Like um, covering our flaws. That's how we present ourselves to people we don't know very well, people over Facebook. Here's me on an adventure. Here's my perfect family. Here's my child who never cries. Like I've never seen like a crying picture of a baby on Facebook, right? It's like they're always happy. And that's how babies are. Um, and... And yet, like, when that's all of our friendships and relationships, when people, the people around us only know us in part, that means they only love us in part. If we want to be fully loved, 
We have to be fully known, the best and the worst of us. You know, one of my, again, one of my close friends, he, he just kind of knows me in some of those most intimate ways. I lose my keys and my phone all the time, and it was worse in high school, if you can, like, picture that. I got kicked out of, out of my phone insurance plan. Like, they called me. They're like, sorry, sir, we, we can't insure you anymore. I'm like, what? That's, that's a possibility? You could kick me out? But I remember there's a time in my life where I was trying to improve and, like, keep a hold of my keys and my wallet. And I became, like, everyone makes fun of me for that. But during that season, I, I got sensitive towards it. I don't know if you've ever felt that way where, like, your friends see you a certain way and you laugh with them. But when you're actually trying to be better and they still laugh at you and see you the same, it just gets really painful. And I remember one of my close friends, he saw me trying to grow in that area. And everyone's making fun of me, of course, because when you grow, you still, like, mess up all the time. I still leave my keys there, and people are laughing. And then I remember feeling kind of hurt. And then I would look, and, I, and then I just saw my friend, and he wasn't laughing. And I was surprised. And then other times when people, like, make fun of me for, for that, again, I, I would scan the room and see my friend, and he would he'd just kind of look at me like, hey, you're okay. You know, I, I see that you're trying. And I think Jesus kind of knows those spaces in our lives that are sensitive and that are, are fragile, and he just holds them in this gentle way, and he makes it safe to be known. No one knows my best and my worst thoughts more than God does. You know, I lay out my most evil thoughts in front of him, and I'm surprised because I expect him to run and point and, and, and gawk, but instead he just holds me and tells me, hey, I'm, you're okay. I just love you. You know, one time... I just wanted carne asada fries really bad. <laughs> like, I came back from playing volleyball, and I was just like, or some other sport, and I was just like dying, and I couldn't eat because I had to go straight to small group. I was like, just like craving fries. I had like a vision of fries, and a vision of me eating fries, and I was like salivating. And I walk, and I'm like talking to God about French fries, and I walk in, and someone like immediately walks up to me and says, here's some carne asada fries if you want some. And I was like, I was like close to crying, you know? I, that person must have thought I was completely losing it. Like, thank you so much for fries. You know, like it was like the most, but for me, it's like, man, God knows me in the places that don't even matter. He cares and he knows me. He knows the number of hairs on my head. He knows that I want carne asada fries. He knows the places that I'm trying to grow and my fractures. He knows my most fragile dreams. And he lets me know him as well. God's that person that you can be completely vulnerable with, where you don't have to hide. And he, and he always accepts you and loves you. And you know what? You, you're never going to surprise him with your crap because he knew it already. And he decided to love you already, too. The last part. Um, oops, sorry. Oh, one more time. All right, here we go. So in verse 16, it says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. You appointed me uh, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, I will give you. This is my commandment. He kind of bookends the statement at the top and the bottom. Love each other. 
You know, when, when Jesus calls us into friendship, he calls us, he doesn't call us as like how, your, how I met your mother friends, which I love their friendship because you get to sit in, hear all of the, their most embarrassing stories and intimate moments. He doesn't call us to be friends like the sitcom friends where there's love triangles and you navigate New York together in life. He calls us to be friends like Lord of the Rings where you come together and you're awkward and misplaced but there's this grand mission that draws you together. He calls us together like Harry Potter, where you go through childhood into adulthood, and you are on this great quest. He calls us together um, to do something bigger than ourselves. Right? When he says, I appointed you to bear fruit, he's saying that our friendship is going to lead to amazing, eternal things. I'm going to take you on adventures. I'm going to give you challenges. And we're going to walk through high roads and, and low valleys. And we're going to conquer together. And when I see my closest friends, when I look out at this room and I see my friends here, I look at our history. I look at the trail we left behind. And I see Epic starting. I see crew um, reaching out and teaching me how to share the gospel. I see apartment life and the people in our community. I see, I see a church springing up out of the ground by his grace. And our friendship builds God's kingdom. As we become closer friends, God's kingdom expands. And that's why we're doing church and community. We're, we don't gather around ethnicity or age or demographic. We gather around the gospel we gather around the mission of God. And as we, and this is our whole vision. The whole vision of renew comes from Revelations 21. Behold, I am making all things new. Jesus is sitting on the throne proclaiming that over the whole earth when he ties up history. But when he says making, he's saying that he's been doing that since the beginning of time. And he's making things new through us in his friendship with us, and in our friendship with each other. So at Renew Church, we do small groups. But all of our small groups are also mission teams. And so as we build into each other's lives, as we pray for each other, as we go through scripture, as we hang out at Bolu, we also ask, how can we be a mission team to our neighborhood? How can we be a mission team to our campus? And we've done that. We've done that for this whole year, and we'll do that for the life of this church. We come together as friends to build out God's kingdom. And that's when he says, whatever you ask in my name to the Father, I will give you. We ask in relationship. We ask as a friend, right? Don't ask, mm, mm, okay, take that back. When you ask God for things, like if, I, if Winnie, my sister, asked me for something, I would just do it. Why? Because she's my sister, right? I love her. If you, but if someone I didn't know off the street asked me for something, I wouldn't do it because I don't know them. We have no relationship. If you're asked, one of the ways that we ask God is in relationship with him. And the second way is that in that relationship, God's kingdom is expanding. And when we know God and love him, when we have this relationship with him, he does what we ask. Because our vision are aligned. We're under the same bro code, the same sister code. We want the same things. I pray for our church. I pray that this would define who we are. Friends that are imperfect and intimate. Friends that are vulnerable. 
friends that do life together, that sacrifice for each other, and friendships, because we are friends, God's kingdom is expanding. And I'm thankful to preach a sermon that I've been able to see over the last year. And I'm thankful for this sermon to continue to define who we are. God, we love you so much. We pray that you would hold our little church. That, first of all, we would be your friends. That's, you're the friend that is perfect. We all hurt each other. We all will. But you're the friend that will never leave us or hurt us. And even in this moment, God, I believe that you are asking specific people around this room to be your friend. You are extending friendship to people here right now. And if that's you, I, I, I pray that you would reach up and say, God, I want to be your friend. That you would pray a simple prayer that he would forgive you. And that's it. And that he would be friends with you. And that you would be his friend. It says in Romans that, you know, even when we were sinners and enemies of God, that he loved us so much that he sacrificed and he died for us so that he could be friends with us. And maybe today is a day where you're just like, man, I want to be friends with this God who's always good, who knows me deeply, who will never leave me. If that's you this morning, I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. And maybe for some of you, you've been friends with God for a while, but if you were honest, you'd say, man, I'm not really friends with him anymore. You could pray the same prayer as well. I've prayed it a hundred times, but the first time is super significant. Um, yeah, so if it's on your heart to be friends with God, please pray this with me. God, thank you for wanting to be my friend. I know that I've done things that are wrong. Would you forgive me? Thank you for dying for those things. Today, I want to give you my life, and I want to be your friend. In Jesus' name, amen. If, that's the first, if this is the first time you prayed that, please talk to me. Um, as we go into worship, we're going to take communion together, and we think about the friendship that Jesus extends and how it cost him so much. Um, he broke his body to forgive us. He shed his blood so that we wouldn't have to carry our sin that we could be friends with God. And so as we go to the communion table, let's just recommit to being friends with Jesus in the way that we need him the most.